Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney. And I'm Mandy Nunes. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Recovery Talks. Today, Mandy and I are going to talk about recovery, (laughs) kind of go back to the basics and uh, just share our thoughts around recovery and how maybe our thoughts have changed from when we started to now and what it means to us, because it's different for everybody, right? Right, Mandy? Yeah, it's absolutely different for everybody. And I think think everybody's journey is a little bit different. And um, I think as we grow in recovery and grow in our lives, our definition for ourselves and what it means to us um, evolves as we evolve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. I I think for myself, I, 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 I can remember you know, when I, when I discovered that having with a mental health diagnosis that I could be in recovery, you know, because recovery in some ways I feel like sort of gets hijacked by the 12 step community. Yeah. That if you say to just a, the general public, somebody who's not in recovery and you say I'm in recovery, they immediately think you, they, you just mean exclusively AA, like, like from drinking, right? It's like, like that word is somehow exclusive to it. And, and I can remember when very early on was like, no, you can be in recovery from anything. And, and that really sort of blew my mind at the time because I was certainly drinking too much and, and uh, in a outpatient program and so they use the words recovery a lot, right? I mean, I was in treatment and they use that word a lot, but we never talked about anything else. We never talked about any other forms of recovery. It was simply abstinence-based, just squared up like that. And don't talk about that other stuff. Don't talk about being depressed, you know, like, and that concept really was like, you know, and now, I mean, I mean, I have a lot of years in recovery, 20, uh, 28 years, I think I'm at now, 29 in like six months. Uh, yeah, it's so different today. I mean, it's just so different. And of course, working, when you start working in this field, it changes. But that early, I was really thinking about with this topic, I was really trying to recall and think about early on the views of what it was and what it wasn't and how limited my view of it was, my expectation of it was, and a lot of, for the people around me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I relate to that a lot. I think back, you know, my, my first struggles, I guess, were 
were not necessarily with substances. My initial struggles were mental health related. And the whole recovery concept had, you know, never occurred to me. I was like 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. you know, kind of having my first real like acute mental health stuff going on. And mm-hmm. the, I mean, the term recovery wasn't used back then, even when I was going through mental health stuff, you know, like when I was hospitalized, right. it, you know, they, the term recovery wasn't thrown around in those settings right. back then the word recovery, you know, didn't really come into my purview until I did have problems with substances and got into a lot of trouble. And, and, you know, the Montana department of corrections (laughs) helped me figure out that that's what I needed in my life. And, and so my, my early views of recovery were all abstinence-based SUD related. Granted, you know, while I was in treatment court and going to treatment, um, like I did have a mental health diagnosis and um, I did have a ton of trauma. And so I'm grateful that where I went to treatment, they did, you know, push me to work on those things too. I was set up with a trauma therapist and stuff like that. But still, the word recovery in and of itself wasn't used in relation to my mental health diagnoses or the, you know, trauma or anything else. We still really only used recovery around the SUD diagnosis itself. Yeah. You know, sober and clean in 12-step meetings, depending on which one I went to at the time. You know, it was very, a very limited understanding of what recovery meant. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't recall, you know, just listening to you there, you know, just, you know, memories and thinking about, you know, like, I don't remember anybody talking to me about holistic wellness and environmental things and financial things and spiritual things. Like, I don't really recall that being part of it. Right. It's, like yeah. you're saying, I mean, it's like super limited 12 step abstinence. And yeah, that I would, you know, same for me. I mean, I got into recovery in 94. And so they, you know, it was a dual diagnosis, not co occurring. Terminology was different and it was very separate. It was very this view of you have this, this mental health stuff going on. And that's permanent. And, yeah. and if you, I mean, I can remember, I can remember my doctor. Now, this is not my psychiatrist with the meds. This is my, what you'd call general practitioner saying to me, if you quit drinking, all your problems will go away. I can, I totally remember that. Like that was the frame of mind at that time, the way people thought about it, right? And here's a doctor saying that to me and all of that goes in, right? That's all input into your experience of it. And then, you you know, for me, I started focusing a lot on that thinking, oh, okay, the doctor said that's what I need to do. So I'm going to focus. 
right? But then over time, you begin to realize, well, the other stuff isn't changing, <laughs> you know, like I'm right. still, right? And thankfully, I, you know, had a counselor. I went also to a mental health center, separate. So then I could talk, you know, about all of the stuff that was going on. But still, there really wasn't any focus on anything holistic. And the eight dimensions of wellness weren't even created yet. That wasn't even in place. But there just wasn't this idea of there are other things you could do. Like, I remember, you know, getting on medications and you start putting on all this weight, all this water weight, right? Well, at the same time, you know, and this, and again, this is me looking, looking back at it, right? The same time I was eating a ton of sugar because I was coming off drinking. Yes. Yep. You know, right. Rum and Cokes, you know, I'm down in two liter things of Coke all every day, you know, so my body is craving massive amounts of sugar and I'm eating all this candy and I'm taking these meds and I'm, and I'm putting on all this weight. And then I don't feel good and I don't have the energy and the whole, it, it's all wrapped up into one big ball of mess. And no one talked to me about that. You know, nobody talked to me and said, hey, eating three bags of lemon heads every day is probably not something you want to be doing. And you're craving the sugar because of all the alcohol you drink. You know, you got to wean yourself off of that like, you know, and some exercise and some, you know, right. Like, yeah. And all of that goes in, all of that's going in, you know, early on and you're desperate and you're trying to figure out. And so no one's talking about those things. And it was just like, ah, you know, whatever. Right. And you're still eating fast food, junk food. You're still doing all these other things. Yeah. And, and if I think about my life today <laughs> and you know, every day I bring my water bottle to work. I know you do too. I do. You drink, you, right? But no one talked, it just switch, getting off soda. That was a big thing. You know, I think I had a couple years in recovery and I, and I decided, yeah, soda's probably not that good for me, <laughs> you know, right? Like, I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly how I came to that conclusion, but I went like five, about five years, I think, and didn't drink soda pop. And whoa, whoa, this thing called water tastes pretty good. Like, and I feel so much better, <laughs> you know, like, but no one taught me that. Like I didn't, that wasn't part of a treatment program. That wasn't part of the protocols in helping somebody engage in recovery. I sort of discovered that outside you know, I became a bit of a seeker, you know, reading lots of books, trying to yeah. seek out information because what I was getting didn't seem to be working that well. Yeah. It was kind of the same for me, honestly, like thinking back and I didn't, we didn't have back then, which wasn't all that long ago, seven-ish years. Um, I didn't have a peer support specialist, um, you know, back then. And, and like I said, I was encouraged to go work on like my trauma and, and stuff like that. But again, the term like holistic approach or, you know, um, I don't think I heard the, that 
that phrase, a holistic approach with regards to substance use, mental health, recovery in any form until I took PS 101 training and it, mm. you know, or the same, the many pathways like that. Mm -hmm. I had not heard that until yeah. I took PS 101 training. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it made me think about it. Like I remember, God, it was, I was so, my life was so messy still, even, you know, going to treatment and everything else. And, and it's like you said, mm. I was focused so much on that one thing. Like I have to get over the use of substances and find a new way of life that doesn't include, you know, altering, chemically altering, you know, mm -hmm. my mind and, and mm -hmm. my mood and everything mm -hmm. else. How do I deal with all this stuff? How do I deal with my feelings? Um, but I was drinking energy drinks, like they were going out of style and <laughs> smoking, you know, pack and a half of cigarettes a day at the, you know, 12 step right. meeting and drinking coffee and Right. That coffee, not that any of those things, you know, are horribly bad cigarettes might be, but no, no concept of how the other things that I was putting into my body, um, was affecting me or, or even the things that I was choosing to do, how I was choosing to spend my money, no concept of, of financial wellness, no concept of environmental wellness. Right. Um, none of those, it was all about how do I learn to live without substances, right. um, and, and function, you know, a little bit, I guess in the real world. And it took a long time and it took coming into this field as a career mm -hmm. and, um, seeing it through a different set of eyes, I guess, mm -hmm. and hearing other people's stories and seeing what other people we're choosing to do, um, you know, the parts of their wellness that they were focused on that had just not, had not even occurred to me. I remember the first time I went to treatment, first two times I went to treatment, mm -hmm. the place I went to treatment at, um, I mean, we could go outside, we would go outside for smoke breaks, but it was, sure. you could still smoke back then. Um, and, and we would walk the track, but we were not allowed to exercise. Exercise, Ooh. we were not allowed to exercise because it was like uh, like an insurance thing. Like they were afraid that we were gonna hurt ourselves exercising. <laughs> we weren't allowed to exercise. And we all, for the record, because they told us we couldn't, it's probably like the yeah. most intentional I've ever exercised in my life. It was yeah. like every day we were like, hiding in our rooms, doing crunches and push-ups just because they right. told us that we couldn't. <laughs> but it was, it, it's interesting because I, I know that we're starting to look at, and even, you know, yeah. the organizations where they do, you know, co-occurring treatment, SUG treatment, whatever, are starting to try and take a more yeah. holistic approach where, yeah. you know, fitness and nutrition right. um, is being considered. And yeah. Yeah, my life has changed a ton. I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink. I can't even drink caffeine at all. Um, yeah. You know, part part of that is I focused so much on the SUD for so long mm -hmm. and didn't focus on kind of the original core problem, mm -hmm. which was my mental health. And so it took me years and years of, honestly, years of being in recovery and then having this mental health stuff kind of bubble up to the surface during COVID 
that made me realize that I still have a whole lot more recovery that I've got to work out. That's, yeah. that's mental health related. It's not even related to my SUD. Right. And so right. that's, that shifted my, my thought process and my belief system around recovery and what does recovery look like for me? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so much of my recovery, especially today is not based around 12 step meetings or right. um, you no, know, it, it's, it's based around the things that I choose to do in my everyday life. And, um, you know, I've, d- I've done EMDR. I, it's, it's all based around how do I improve my quality of life with my mental health condition? Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves taking medications and not drinking caffeine for me because that makes my anxiety super bad. So right. I cold turkey coffee. It's these like right. little everyday choices that I have to make. We talked about it with seasonal, seasonal stuff too. The little everyday choices that I have to make to improve my quality of life with these mental health diagnoses. Right. Right. And what does wellness look like? Yes. For me in my life. It is not, it's not what I thought recovery was when I got started. It's very different. It involves every aspect of my life, not just I'm not using substances. Agreed. 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 And I, and I, and I, I, I feel like that's why so many people fail in recovery. And some people don't like that you say fail in recovery. But what I mean is they go to treatment, they try it, they relapse, they go to treatment, they try it, they relapse, they go to treatment, they try it, they relapse. There's this we know you and I both know people like that who are just stuck in that cycle. Now they try it for six months. They try it for six years and they're right back where they were because the system and like society is, isn't quite there. Like you said, with this holistic, it has to be all aspects within your life because it's really about wellness. And I'm like you, I, you know, years ago, I quit the caffeine Um, and that was part of the soda thing. Stop, stop drinking, stop drinking soda. I was never a big coffee drinker. Um, but yeah, you know, you go to a support meeting and it's everybody smoking and drinking down in coffee, you know, and you're there talking about substances and it's like, well, these are substances. You're still putting these chemicals into your body and you're doing it at such an excessive rate. Right. And it's accepted. And, you know, I just, I think to myself, imagine if we could get to this place where recovery was really this full holistic approach in all these different areas. And that becomes the expectation, right? And we're not, and we're not just focused on abstinence. We're focused on diet. We're focused on exercise. We're focused on spirituality, financial even social, right? That's the one people run into right away. You know, that was hard, right? It's like you get into recovery. So I'm being recovery. Okay. What do I do this weekend? Because all my friends, they're still drinking and partying. And, you know, I tried that, you know, I went, tried to show up and, you know, and what did they do? It's like, all right, you know, Jim's back. Hey, have a drink. You know, I mean, so getting around, 
healthy people and or people who support your wellness yes is key right like they have to they have and i tried you know educating people who were around me in the, this is in the early real early stages you know i tried i tried um sharing uh things that i was reading things that i was learning through counseling through the mental health center through through the treatment facility i tried sharing that and you know people have different reactions to that stuff you know because it it makes them look at their own it makes them look at their own stuff and some people don't you know then they just sort of drift away you know they just you hand them a you know a little thing here here read this about you know right dual diagnosis mental health trauma you know oh oh okay you know thanks you know right like and and it's interesting and it's um but it's so critical it, to have that you know that you're you know the people who are around you are are such an integral part of their part of your environment they're part of your social network they're part of your emotional peace you know and so finding that new group of people can be challenging can be yeah. right because then that's what i mean by people they try it they try what they learned and then they fail cuz cuz they're they're still hanging around the same people or they're still in the same relationship and then yep. there's this loop that begins happening so hey i'll just go back to treatment i must not have got it you know i'll go back to treatment but maybe the treatment isn't really the right fit because we're approaching it in you know in a very limited sort of blinders on we're looking at it as it's this one thing and you know as people get into recovery and you get more time in and you know your life begins to get improve you begin to realize it's it's all this other stuff and you have to keep doing things every day for your wellness and even that evolves over time yeah yeah i agree i i do agree too that the social aspect is is really important especially early on and i i do think that that's one of the things that that 12 step communities do do well or try to do well or at least that yeah. was my experience yeah. is it does provide that social yes. here are healthy people for you to spend time with they've been down a similar road or the same road as you they share similar experiences they'll take you kind of under their wing they'll help show you what things you can do to have fun yeah. in yeah. recovery and so i think that for me was super helpful early on Right. I think the part that's challenging is that it's still really limited. It's very um, limited. If, if it, I don't it, have a, an SUD, am I going to feel welcome right. to a 12-step meeting? This is, right. you know, right. if right. you don't fit fit the mold for, yeah. you know, that 12-step community, yeah. you're isolated. And so yeah. that's yeah. hard. That, that's what led me to smart recovery that what you're talking about right there so early on you know when anybody's gone to a treatment program knows you got to go to the treatment program and then you got to go do two meetings a week right and you know so most everybody starts off the same you end up going to 12-step meetings and yet I, i wasn't being the mental health aspect wasn't being addressed so i began as i said seeking 
And so I found, found this, this other group that was going on and went to that group. And what I found there was, oh, they're talking about all of it. They're talking about your whole life. They're talking about it in a very different way. And they're using cognitive behavioral therapy language which I was getting at the mental health center with my therapist, right? So I'm starting to hear the same language and I'm going, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. All right, you know, like distorted, distorted thinking, you know, thought patterns, those kinds of things. And, uh, <clears throat> and what I, and the other thing I really liked about it was it was strength-based. It was not this is what's wrong with me it was what's something positive you did or you learned this last week for your recovery oh whoa that spoke to me whoa yeah. okay i'm getting i'm hearing all this positive stuff people are oh i did this and i did that and then what and then I, my turn comes and i get to share something positive you know and there's um and then they you know they gave us these worksheets here do this worksheet you know come back next week and you know, we'll talk about this worksheet. And I liked that because I was a seeker. I was trying to figure out, you know, and it gave me something to work on. A piece of paper to take home, to fill out, to answer these questions and think about it. And again, it fit really well with my counseling. So there was crossover there happening for me, you know, and, uh, and it was just different. And I remember going to the treatment facility and I turn in my sheet, you know, the sheets, the sign in, you know, you got to show the sign, you know, what's this, you know, what's this, you know, they're scrutinizing it. You know, I said, well, it says I have to go to a support meeting. It doesn't say I have to go to a 12 step meeting. This right. is a support meeting. What, wait, 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 what is this? You know, like it was a big deal. They actually, I had to go talk to the director and like, and I said, well, I think there's a book or something. I think they have this book. Well, bring the book in get a copy of the book and bring it in. Like we need to examine this. This is appropriate. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, fine. So I go to the next meeting. So I talk to the facilitator. I say, look, there's I'm going to this treatment program. I got to go to, he goes, okay. He goes, you need a book. Right. And I'm like, yeah, can I buy a book? You know, he's like, no, here, you know, you can have a book. And I look at the book and it's called the small book. Right. And, and I'm like, oh man, this is not going to go over, you know? So whatever, you know, the next day or whatever it was, I went to the, you know, so I went back in, I got my small book, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is the book for the program, right? And, you know, right, there was this skepticism about it. It was new, it was, and uh, yeah, they looked at it and then they said, okay, yeah, it's okay, right? Because they saw in there, the con these are counselors, right? They see the concepts, it's, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's teaching people about distorted thinking and you know, so then they're like, okay, you can, you know, you can go to the meeting, you know, it can count, you know, but it's like that limited, you know, blinders on, you know, and it's like, and, and I didn't talk about it with the, you know, the people in my, in my group, you know, I didn't talk that much about it, but, you know, now I look back and I think, I wonder if there were other people in the group who might've liked liked this as a you know and i would do both i would do one 12 step and one one of these uh smart recovery groups you know and they were they were just so different they were so 
they were so different. And I, and I, those kinds of things, like, I, I feel like they were really important in, in that early part of my recovery that kept me, it kept me from falling into the, the rut of recovery, you know, where you're just, well, it's this, it's just this, it's just this. I don't, I don't know if I would have explored my mental health, my emotional health. I don't know if I would have explored it as much because these other things make you explore those, your behaviors, your thoughts, your, right? This different, this different approach, very strength-based. So that, all of that shaped my beliefs early on. And I, and I borrowed from both and I sort of mixed and matched. And, and, and like I said, I didn't tell people that because I thought, I honestly felt like I was not, like the word that comes to mind is doing something wrong, but not quite doing something wrong, but like I wasn't doing it this way. Right, that it would be scrutinized. Yeah, and so, and so I, I kept it kind of quiet. Like I talked to my therapist about it and the people who were immediately around me knew, you know, but other than that, I didn't really share that too much. You know, I didn't really talk about that. And I think that, you know, it was like years, I'm trying to remember just, you know, it's, it's been a long time, I'm trying to remember how many years it actually was before I met somebody who had done the same thing or very similar. And, and it really was like, I mean, I think I was a peer supporter right. when that happened. So, so for me, that's 14 years later, you know, somewhere in there, some 14, 15 years later, maybe when I went to training, maybe I, when I went to peer support training. So I'd have had 15 years in recovery and I kind of kept that quiet that I tried these different things. I even went to a, there was a, there was a, uh, a depression support group that I went to for a while and everybody had a diagnosis of depression and, you know, and I kept that quiet. And then I remember when somebody said to me, Oh yeah, well, I kind of did this and I did that. And I found this smart recovery in this. And I was like, Whoa, like, wait, what? You know, it was like, Oh, there's another person here, you know, like, and it was this revelation of, I was like, well, yeah, I kind of did the same thing. And, and I remember that moment thinking, oh, oh, okay, right? Like, whoa, because I, all those years, I sort of carried that with me and yeah, and didn't feel settled with it. Didn't feel, I mean, it was working, <laughs> it was working, but it wasn't the traditional path. And yeah, then when I, when I started Montana's Peer Network and I got exposed to SAMHSA and the guiding principles, and then, like you said, you read many pathways and holistic, I went ding, 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 ding. You know, this is what I've been searching for for all of these years. And so by then, let's say be 14, 15, 16. So now I have 16, 17 years in recovery before I'm introduced to those bigger concepts. Right of you're in charge, you pick your own path, 
it can be this and that and this and that, and you can mix, mix and match and whatever. The key is wellness. That should be in the beginning of everybody's recovery. We should be talking to people in the beginning about that. It shouldn't take people a decade plus before they finally meet someone else who took the same pathway because the other person was probably feeling as weird as I was about it, right? You know, in their journey, oh, don't tell anybody, you know, I do these other things, you know, I meditate, I whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think I think we still as a whole, as a society, as the behavioral health industry, however you want to put it, I I think especially with with SUD because I think that's where again we yeah. identify as recovery is SUD. Yeah. I think we missed the mark on the many pathways. I think we missed the mark on the uh, voice and choice. It, it's still very yeah. dominated um, as this kind of abstinence-based 12-step model. That's the way, which which works for some people, and that's great, and it's great for the people that it works for. But yeah. what about all of the people that want something different, that have a different spiritual belief, that have Yes. you know, different, their brain works a different way, um, that their life is different. I mean, there's right. so many things that make each of us who we are. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're missing people that don't fit this one size fits all mold. And that's yeah. horribly sad. Yes. There's, there's so many options, um, out there, but if people don't, don't know that there's more than one way if people don't know that they can choose that they can have a voice that they can find acceptance that they can find wellness and recovery um you know in other ways right it's so easy to just lose them back to to you know the struggles that they're already in because the reality is at least for me i was super dysfunctional and uh, the drugs were not a great solution. They created a whole new set of problems, but for the purposes that I was initially using for, they were effective in in my mind. You know what I mean? Of course, they're temporarily effective. Of course, that's why so many people turn to substances, of course. And so we're not, not, showing people the way and i don't mean the one way i mean that there are many ways right yeah and it comes through exposure you you have to expose people to it you have to allow them the opportunity to try yoga try meditation try changing your diet try exploring the changing of your diet try lowering your sugar intake Try taking financial responsibility by making a budget, you know, these kinds of things, because all of that is part of it, right? And it's not, you know, there's lots of people who function and they use substances and, you know, they, whatever, waste their money and, you know, right, have bad relationships. They have all the stuff happening to them, but they're still sort of functioning through the world. And this approach, as I, you know, get more and more years in recovery, I I, I just see it more clearly. It's more about wellness and a, and a holistic approach. And 
yeah, I think the system is slowly changing. Um, <clears throat> and I wonder what would happen statistically if we did take a more, much more holistic, much more choice oriented approach. I wonder what would happen statistically because the numbers aren't very good. People who go to treatment programs, the vast majority of people don't maintain recovery. It's, it's only while they're in treatment or right after, and then it just, ooh, just sort of falls off, right? Or, or they don't maintain what that treatment center identifies as recovery, which is abstinence-based Of course, recovery. of course, of course, of course. But you know, that idea of like introducing all of these concepts yeah. to people and saying, you know, hey, this isn't about, you know, even the, the idea. So I went to an outpatient program I was in there six months. You know, you go, right, you do the nine hours a week for six months, not 30 days inpatient. Because I remember having that thought too. I got to go inpatient. I have to be in, I have to be hospitalized. I had that set in my head and I couldn't get into a program. There were no open beds. I didn't have insurance. Right. So I, I settled for an outpatient program. But when I look back in hindsight, that was so much better. Yeah. Because I'm at home and I, and I wasn't working for the vast majority of that time. I wasn't working. I couldn't work. I couldn't function. And, but going to treatment, going to therapy, medications, you know, all the, all these kinds of things, support groups, right. Then kind of towards the end, I was able to start working part-time, right? But that length of time, a six-month program, not a 30 days and then see you later, you know, good luck to you. Like six months is a long time because you have that constant contact. You're learning the whole way. I think that's another piece that cha would change things. And, and I see that, you know, a lot of outpatient programs have housing now. Yeah. Where people can live in recovery housing and go to an outpatient program. I think that's, I, I actually feel like that's almost more effective than a stand, standard short-term 30-day little cookie cutter boxed program. This is what it looks like. And you're going to do this longer period of time, allow people to address all these aspects of their life. I think it's, I think it's more effective. It's definitely more supportive of people, you know, and, and I don't know, cost wise. I mean, I don't know. I've never ran the numbers to know, you know, which, which is which, um, but I think you're setting people up for a greater chance for success with a yeah. longer term, longer term program out in the community. Yeah. I mean, my, I mean, treatment court, I was in treatment court for 22 months. And wow. Wow. And I needed every, every day of it. And all yeah. of it was outpatient for me. Yeah. Um, and I started, when I started, I was living at the homeless shelter here, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then found, got into a, like a sober living facility. And so, and after doing that a little while was able to start working part-time, mm -hmm. but man, I'm so, I, I think there's this like really kind of delusional hope or belief that like oh I did the 30 days and I'm I'm yeah. cured I'm out I'm on a pink yeah. cloud recovery 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 yeah. yes and, and what's missed which I I think is what you're talking about is 
when you're going to treatment, outpatient treatment for a long, longer period of time, it shows me, I have to apply this to my life and see if it's going to work in the real world. I didn't yeah. really have, you know, I also went to inpatient treatment at different times, but it's like, you're so protected in an inpatient setting from yeah. real life stress, real life triggers. Yeah. Um, am I going to be able to say no when my coworker says, let's go grab a beer after work yeah. or when yeah. one of my coworkers sparks up a joint out in the alley, like, Yep. If I'm not ever, you know, around those issues, those stressors, those triggers to make decisions, good or bad, you know, right or right or wrong, you know, whatever decision I make, yeah. how am I going to figure out if I can make the right choices? And how do I figure out what the consequences look like when I don't? Because yes. I didn't always, I didn't yeah. always in treatment yeah. court. Like I had a relapse in treatment court yeah. and I'm grateful that I did because it gave me the opportunity to make a decision about how I was going to handle that. And people helped me through that, that time period and, and yeah. helped me make choices and get back on track. And I had support during those times instead of getting out of treatment, doing good for a little while messing up, not having the support, not knowing what to do, not having any guidance and just right. throwing right. in the towel. I right. had support through all of that. Right. And, and I needed that because my problem, I could do great in treatment in an right. setting. Dump through the hoops, right. right. My problem was real life. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Out in the community, out, out in the community. Yeah. You're not you're so protected. It's the same when you're in a, when you're in a psychiatric hospital, it's the same. You're in this bubble and it's this protective bubble. It protects you from everything and, and you need it at, at, you know, in the be very beginning, you would definitely need it. Right. But, but the stuff that, that you left is still waiting for you the day you're discharged. Yes. Whereas when you're in an outpatient program, you have to deal with those things. Like you said, everyday life, the stressors of everyday life. And yeah, I think it's much more effective. Um, yeah, and and I think we just have to keep advocating for more systems change to be more these treatment programs to be more holistic to address these other these other areas of a person's life. And then I think that's when you see real sustainable recovery for people because they're it's more about overall wellness. Yes, and and yeah. more person centered. For sure, for sure, for sure, more person-centered, yes. A big part, too, is that yeah. what, what, what do people want to pursue in their wellness? What yeah. choices are they willing to make? Give, give them some options. Let them choose. Because it doesn't, what I want and you, what you want may not be the same thing. And what exactly. I need and you need may not be the same thing. Right, exactly. And so I think that's a big, a big part too. Is that, like you said, it's person-centered, holistic wellness. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a great, this is a great topic. I mean, this is a really great topic. I, I feel like you and I could keep talking about this because it's deep. There's a lot here. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And and as people in recovery, we have been through the system and 
different programs and and you know once you have sustained recovery you can look sort of look back and say oh geez you know it's like there's so much more that could be happening and so yeah i mean it 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 um it it it, it, it fires the flames of passion in me you know to want to go advocate for more 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 right and and get these kinds of things incorporated into the system. So maybe we'll come back to this on another podcast and visit with it and, and maybe even bring on a guest. This would be a good topic with a guest to have another person with their views of, you know, the early recovery and, and uh, the elements of, of really being well, well. Overall. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Recovery Talks and check us out every week. We're putting up podcasts on different topics, having guests. And if you uh, have an idea, if you were listening and you're like, oh, they should talk about this or, you know, email us. Uh, You can email me at jim at mtpeernetwork.org. Or you can email me at mandy at mtpeernetwork.org. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen with us. We really appreciate it. We hope you heard something that ignites that fire of passion within you too. Um, And we hope that you take a look at your own full wellness today. Definitely. Thanks. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.